Welcome to the Revolutionary Health Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center. I am a licensed clinician in search of how to live a meaningful and healthy life. I challenge both traditional and functional medicine ideologies in search of truth and wisdom. I allow room for curiosity and always keep an open mind. I enjoy deep conversations with my guests, giving them a safe space to share their research and personal observation, as I feel both equally contribute to the body of knowledge and human experience. Note that the opinions of my guests do not always reflect my own, whether I share that openly or not. And of course, the podcast is for educational purposes only. We do not offer medical advice. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for some intimate and unique discussions about finding wellness in the 21st century. Hello, and welcome to Revolutionary Health Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm so excited you're here. I enjoy having community with my listeners. So if you want to be in touch, check out the show notes for ways you can contact me. I'd love to hear from you. If you're an OG or a returning listener, welcome back, homies. Today, we are going to take a deep dive into the mysterious and the magical hormone progesterone. I don't know about you, but I feel like progesterone is the redheaded stepchild of the sex hormones. People care about estrogen dominance and low T, but progesterone doesn't get the same kind of attention. So why is that? It's equally as important as the other two. Both men and women need it to function. So today we are going to cover the basics. You will learn what kind of hormone progesterone is. And spoiler alert, it's not just a sex hormone. It's also a steroid hormone. How does progesterone interact with other hormones? What are its main roles in the body? How does it serve your body? Um, We're going to talk about some signs of progesterone deficiency and and kind of what to look for there. Most likely, uh, most people are not don't have too much progesterone, they they don't have enough. So that's why we specifically talk about deficiency and not overload. And we talk about the connection between low progesterone and hypothyroidism. Many of you listening have a thyroid story, and I think that it's a really interesting connection and it's one worth exploring. So we go there. We talk about the difference between progesterone and progestin. Very important that you understand the difference, especially if uh, someone is trying to encourage you into some sort of hormone replacement. We're going to talk about the strengths and dosing of progesterone. So you can get progesterone in different strengths. You can do different dosages. You can take it at different times throughout the day. And so we kind of talk about that. We talk about bioidentical progesterone absorption and how that works. There are different ways you can consume bioidentical progesterone. So we talk about the different methods. And we also kind of go on a side tangent talking about systemic candida. I know a lot of people listening have a history of candida, yours truly included. And so it's really important for you to know this information if you have a history of candida or currently have candida. And then we kind of wrap it up. Um, We button it up with what you need to know uh, to advocate for your sex hormone health. It's no good to know about all of these things if you don't know how to use them when you're talking to your provider. So we kind of end with, you know, how you can advocate for yourself. I spent a lot of time looking for a progesterone expert. This is something that I've wanted to talk about for a long time. Um, And I'm so glad I was able to connect with and book today's guest, Kitty Martone. 
Kitty runs the Estrogen Dominant Support Group on Facebook with over 20,000 members. She is the host of the famous podcast, Stuff Your Doctor Should Know. And she runs Ona's Naturals, which is a really well-researched and effective bioidentical progesterone company. In fact, I use it myself. I also want to take a moment to pay homage to Dr. Ray Pete. Dr. Ray Pete passed away between the time of recording and airing this episode. He is basically the reason we all have access to multi-strength bioidentical progesterone because he held the patent and allowed free use. Very kind, generous man. So to learn more about him, you can click on the repeat link in the show notes. If you listen to today's episode and you're thinking, huh, I wonder what my progesterone level is. We are in the middle of enrollment for Own Your Hormones, which is a four-month group program that includes Dutch testing. And Dutch, if you're not familiar with it, stands for Dried Urine Test of Comprehensive Hormones. It is a urine-based hormone test, so you take it at home, and you take it over the course of almost an entire day because guess what? Your hormones fluctuate, and we want to measure that. So it's it's really a deep dive into your sex and stress hormones and their metabolites. It's a really eye-opening test. If you've not done one before, I highly, highly recommend it. It is a group program, so we have different modules that we cover together. And just to give you a taste of what those look like, we have one on nutrition foundations and blood sugar management. We have one on circadian rhythm and energy optimization. We have one on endocrine disruptors and glyphosate. We have a tutorial on gut and liver health. We go over hormone-friendly biohacking and stress and mindset management. So those are kind of the group sessions we have. You also get a two-on-one session with Rachel and myself. Rachel's the holistic nutritionist I partner with um, to go over your specific results. So yes, we teach you how to interpret your own Dutch. I think that's so critical. I Every day somebody comes to me with a lab that they say, okay, I had this lab done. I have no idea what it means because their practitioner didn't go over it with them. So I'm really passionate about you understanding what your test results mean so you can use that data. So we, we make sure that you are fully informed and we give you a comprehensive and customized to you healing plan. So that's what you can look forward to in this program. Enrollment ends on February 17th. So if you're listening to this episode and it's after February 17th, you can hop on our waitlist in the show notes and join us for our next release in August. As always, if you enjoy this episode, I invite you to share it with a friend. Maybe you know someone who could benefit from this information or consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes that helps us get discovered by other people. Um, So you know that this is not a podcast. I don't use this podcast to make an income or anything because I really want you to know that you're, you're not getting my bot opinion on anything. I share things that I believe in. And I think that Uh, When we know better, we do better. And so that's kind of the heart behind this podcast. So, all right, friends, you ready to dive in? Let's go. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Revolutionary Health Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center. Uh, Joining with me today, I have Kitty Martone, who I'm so excited to talk uh, talk with on the topic of progesterone. I just want to make a quick note that I do have a little one with me today. So if you hear any cute noises, I can't take credit for those. They are from <laughs> Miss Charlotte. But today, uh, so Kitty, Kitty has an interesting story and, I, and I'd love for her to share a little bit about it. 
how she got into studying progesterone, but she is like a progesterone wizard. She knows anything and everything there is to know about progesterone, how it interacts in the body with certain things, certain conditions that affect your ability to absorb progesterone, which I think is really fascinating. So I'll I'll hush, I'll let you take over the mic, Kitty. And if you just want to tell us a few things about yourself and how you got into this work, then I have some really important questions about progesterone. Okay, cool. Well, all right. So I'll cut to the chase really and just say that, you know, I struggled with my health since I was born. And uh, by the time I got to uh, reproductive age, all of the things I had struggled with, leaky gut and allergies and everything had been compounded by puberty, by hormonal changes and worsened. And so by the time I was into my working years, I was able to work, I was so riddled with autoimmune and infertility and debilitating cramps. Well, I didn't know I was infertile yet, but um, I was just debilitated with cramps and bleeding and clotting. And uh, I was on the birth control pill. I was off the pill, on the pill, off the pill, because it would help me in some ways and not in other ways. Until finally, it was just a big spider's nest of issues, of symptoms and medications and other medications to quell these symptoms and whatnot. And so uh, I started to, I discovered, you know, I don't even want to call it alternative health anymore. I think it's just taking responsibility of your own health care, you know, because sometimes that can mean medicating yourself. Sometimes that can mean you know, seeking out another functional medical doctor who does use medication. So it's not really just about doing things rogue and coffee enemas and stinging nettles, herbs and stuff. It's about just taking your health into your own hands and yeah, taking responsibility Mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Yes. This doctor says I have migraines and I should take this medication, but why am I getting the migraines and then go deeper and deeper and deeper. And that, when that happened, I met my husband, who's a chiropractor, who's very alternative and very holistic. And I, that's when I discovered, you know, everything from Reiki to alpha biotic lift to again, coffee enemas and all kinds of enemas, colonics, I discovered such a world of healthcare, self-care. And then I, I, I started studying it myself. I started studying gut health because we were working with children who had autism and I wanted to help mm-hmm. them. And I knew that was a common denominator with them. Turns out it's the common denominator with everybody is gut health. And so um, I ended up meeting a very famous author, Donna Gates, and working with her. She wrote The Body Ecology Diet. And then I started realizing in the midst of, I was getting so healthy, my, my, my gut health problems were going, I was managing things without medication anymore, thriving almost, but I couldn't carry a baby. I could not stay pregnant. Um, I was miscarrying. I was already in my, I was in geriatric pregnancy, as they say. I was already in my late thirties by the time we were really giving it a go. And, um, I would get pregnant and then five, six weeks in, I would miscarry. Mm -hmm. And so I went to so many doctors and never even heard the word progesterone, let alone progestin. Like no one ever mentioned progesterone, which just to this, and these are, this is Beverly Hills. So these are doctors I've been referred to. I didn't have insurance. So I was paying out of pocket um, to see these very, very recommended and highly sought after doctors. 
none of them had said progesterone. They said, well, prior to my first miscarriage, they said, you're, you're not, you've never miscarried. So we don't think there's an issue with that. What we're going to look at is, um, the health of your, your eggs. We're going to count your eggs. We're going to do all of these ultrasounds and squirt and die up into your fallopian tubes and all of these things. Right. <laughs> and, um, to no avail. So, uh, Finally, I guess I was already in my early forties and I had this, um, I had a severe anemia. I was bleeding out. I was bleeding out for my periods would last, you know, 20 days and, um, severe, severe bleeding, severe anemia. I was having to get scans on my heart because they were concerned about the health of my heart. Uh, they wanted to do iron infusions and wanted me to take iron. But every time I did that, I would get violently ill. And so I couldn't do the iron. And now, of course, you and I, knowing Morley and all the other uh, intricacies behind iron, it's not about taking iron at all, ever. Um, so I ended up, that's another rabbit hole, right? Sure. <laughs> so, then, so then I ended up um, stumbling. I was working at the time for Dr. Robert Marshall who is a, a quite famous, uh, was a quite famous um, pioneer in the field of, of, of nutraceuticals. For, mm -hmm. uh, he started Premier Research Labs. And I was working with him and shadowing under his uh, tutelage. And he, um, he was saying things to me about progesterone. And he was saying things to me about liver stagnation and estrogen dominance. And it was the first, and Dr. Ray Pete. He was saying these things and I had never heard these words and names before. And so I ended up uh, using a progesterone cream at the time called NatPro that's still available. There's a website called progesteronetherapy.com, still there. Sadly, the woman who ran it, she's no longer with us. She was kind of like Morley and Georgie Dinkoff, just like these intense researchers who are passionate, and you, who are passionate about just diving deep into the research and so I would just read through that site and discovered some amazing information about the differences, first of all, between progesterone and progestins. So that was it. I started my, my, my journey. And um, unfortunately, by the time I really understood progesterone, I was well into, you know, uh, perimenopause. And so I never really had the chance to conceive um, so that, that happened. And, uh, you know, I didn't have children, sadly, but, um, what a wealth of knowledge and what it, it brought me to was being able to help literally hundreds of women. So thus far getting pregnant and, and most importantly, not suffering from what I suffered through between endometriosis, fibroids, polyps, um, preventing that in their young daughters, yeah. you know, preventing uh, migraines and catamenial epilepsy and things like this that they were suffering from. So it really was a bittersweet pill, right? To swallow mm -hmm. was like, wow, I can't have children, but this knowledge, this uncharted territory really, because it's the wild west at this point, I think in 20 years, it's going to be a very different yeah. landscape progesterone, but currently it is the wild west. So when you say I'm an expert at progesterone, I say I'm obsessed and passionate about it. And I do know <laughs> a lot, but you know, there are so many people out there who are experts and even those experts disagree with each other. So it's a yeah. complicated subject, but I think I've managed to take a big bite out of it and found some 
you know, paved ways through this that women can um, definitely try it safely and possibly get beyond what they're dealing with as far as hormone imbalance goes. Oh, what a beautiful story. And I, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Honestly, I, I really look up to you as a progesterone expert. I think the people that are obsessed end up coming out being the most knowledgeable because they can't, they can't put it down. They can't walk away from it. And so goodness, you mentioned so many things in your story (laughs) that I really want to circle back to, but I, I want to start with for the listener. So a lot of, a lot of my listeners are of childbearing age trying to conceive or their young mamas who we know that hormones completely change after pregnancy and you have to recover from that. And so for, for the listener, I feel like, I feel like also, I feel like progesterone doesn't get its, like, doesn't get its moment in the sun. You know, I feel like out of the sex hormones, it's the one that's kind of like the redheaded stepchild. Mm. I feel like everybody is obsessed with estrogen dominance and mm-hmm. um, low testosterone. Like those are the two things that I hear about the most and people don't almost seem to not be interested in progesterone. And, and it's like, well, wait a second. This, this is a star player here. This is a Michael Jordan on the team. You got to pay oh, attention yeah. to the progesterone. Um, well, I'm showing my age by saying Michael Jordan, huh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, So can you give us just like an explanation of like why we should care about progesterone, like what kind of a hormone it is, what it does, how it interacts with other hormones, like, like what, what is progesterone's like main role in the body? Mm, Wow. That's a, that's a good question. And a big question. Um, Well, what's cool about the science and the research now is that they're discovering some pretty magical things about it that they didn't just even know 10 years ago. Like it's looking like progesterone. So, so prior to all that, progesterone was known as the pregnancy hormone. It was known as the hormone that you produce the most of when pregnant, which is incorrect. And it was known as a female sex hormone, which is incorrect. Um, so it's in just a brief summary, the, you know, steroidal pathways, I always say it, it's like the 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 overview of the New York subway, right? It just like look like all these different routes and ways that hormones travel. And it's like also like a ladder. So two analogies there with the ladder being that the hormones cascade, they start from the top with um, the raw materials to make all all hormones. And that would be pregnenolone, which is the mother of all hormones. And DHEA is next and and then progesterone. So very high up, And they start to cascade down and trickle down into different ways based on all kinds of things. They're signaling molecules that send signals throughout the body um, regarding how you feel about something, regarding sexual activity, regarding pregnancy, regarding testosterone, uh, uh, gonadal uh, health and prostate health. And there's so much that the hormones do and that the endocrine system does. So that, that's, a, that's like a, probably, you know, people study that particular subject their entire lives and it's still very complex. Mm-hmm. So don't feel, I'd like to say that to your listeners who, like you were saying, uh, Nancy in Missouri, all of you guys out there who have lives, uh, have, you know, active lives, 
this is confusing. So don't get discouraged. Like it, it is complex and it's supposed, it's supposed to be a design that way for some reason. So don't feel overwhelmed if you can't understand this. It's not because you're dumb. It's not because it's, you know, beyond you, it's just complex and that's the way it is. So um, I'll keep things as simple as possible because that's how I like to see them and understand mm -hmm. them. And progesterone, uh, plays a big role in creating, um, it donates, they say, to make other hormones like cortisol, estrogen, testosterone. So it's very, very important. But they're also saying now the new sort of research is showing that it looks like it, it can, it can, like it's like a chameleon, like a chameleon, it can like shift to uh, do other things in the body. It's, mm -hmm. we have receptors for progesterone throughout our entire body, in our brains, everywhere. And so it's, we know that it's anti-inflammatory. So it brings down inflammation. We know that it can be catabolic mostly, which means it catabolizes or it breaks things down. Mm -hmm. um, we, and that's important when you think about um, having fibroids or polyps and you think about the breakdown of tissue and how to prevent that and why progesterone is really, really important in, in, uh, in that action, in that process. So we look at estrogen, estrogen is mitogenic. It causes cells to divide and grow like a fetus, like a tumor, like a polyp, like a fibroid, um, like a cyst where like endometrial lining, like endometrial tissue. So that's what estrogen can do. And progesterone is there to oppose that, to keep that from, it regulates it. It regulates estrogen. I like to say progesterone is the lion tamer and estrogen is the lion. So mm -hmm. if we don't have that lion tamer to keep estrogen in check, estrogen is vital, it's precious, it's, it's a beautiful hormone, but it can be a lion. It can be a potentially dangerous hormone if it's not regulated by progesterone. So that's another important, important function of progesterone. And so the problem is because progesterone is in such demand in the body to help make other hormones, to help with inflammation, to do all these other things, mm -hmm. it is it very much in demand and can be very deficient in a lot of us. It can be something um, you mentioned after pregnancy, how hormones go haywire and people are like, why is that? If we're meant to be making babies, why do our hormones go haywire? And the reason is because um, when you make a baby, you grow a human, it, it, it costs you so much in nutrition. It costs you a tremendous amount on a daily basis to grow a baby and to then feed the baby and then to also keep you thriving so you can have more babies. That's how we're designed. But if we are depleted in our fuel and our resources that require that are required to do those things, well, then our hormones, once you, once you pass that child and you've got all this hormone release, everything gets sent upside down because we have all this, all this depletion. Now, not everybody, some women thrive, but these days, women are so depleted yeah. that after that first baby, and even after an abortion, after a miscarriage, after um, ectopic pre getting pre ectopic mm -hmm. pregnancies, all of these things can send the body into such a tumultuous time of, of, of hormone imbalance. After my mis first miscarriage, I had catamenial epilepsy. I had 
um, all my hormones went, everything I had was amplified was like times 10 after that. And it just got worse and worse and worse because I was depleted in B6 and magnesium and all the things that help you make progesterone ultimately. So um, that's its importance. There's a lot I'm leaving out, but you get the picture in terms of, um, and, and we pass our hormone load to our babies. So a baby can be born estrogen dominant. A baby can be born progesterone deficient. And that's unfortunate, but it's just the way it goes. You know, um, estrogen dominance in a baby can look like cradle cap, colic, baby menses, baby lactation, things mm-hmm. that people are like, what? You know, you see these things in mm-hmm. little babies and this um, can be attributed to low progesterone, high estrogen. So that's how important progesterone is. Yeah. So something that you you mentioned that I didn't know is that progesterone is catabolic. It can, it can be both. It can, oh, it be, can be both. Yes. That's why we're saying a chameleon, right? Oh so, my goodness. Okay. So that answers my question then. Cause I was like, cause I know cortisol is also catabolic. So that makes sense to me that catabolic can donate to catabolic. Yeah. It's, it's quite the chameleon. And, you know, you think about how can progesterone protect us from fibroids or how can it, how, for example, I had a cyst, a cyst that would never go away on my right ovary. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I would, I would go get it removed, Mm -hmm. go back. Um, it would be gone, of course. Then I would go back in six weeks or whatever, and it would be back. And then I started Mm -hmm. progesterone and I had the fortunate, um, experience of having an ultrasound after I started mega dosing progesterone and seeing that the cyst had shrunk dramatically after starting progesterone within a week of doing the, the ultrasound. Oh, wow! How does that work? If it isn't helping to reduce inflammation and catabolize tissue and break down things, right? How is that possible unless it has that action? And so a lot of doctors like that's a misdiagnosis. That's not possible. Well, it has to be possible because it's happening. Right. And then there's now also research to show that, um, just, it makes me think about, um, breast cancer. There's a study, uh, that shows that, that these doctor, these scientists were saying, it's looking like the reason that some tumors that are estrogen receptor positive and progesterone mm-hmm. receptor positive. And they say, wow, that's, that's dangerous. Don't take progesterone. Well, they're starting. And and that's out of breast cancer, out of the types of breast cancer you can have. That's the most favorable, right? The one that is probably the safest and the, I don't know, easiest to treat is the, the tumors that have both receptors on them. And this, so the study talks about why that could be. And they're saying, well, we theorize here that perhaps the receptor is on the tumor that the, the progesterone receptor is on there and the progesterone is trying to break mm-hmm. down the tumor yes. where the estrogen is mitogenic and causing it to divide and, and grow that the progesterone perhaps is there to oppose that. Yeah. So I'll send you that study. Um, so yeah. Mm. Magical. So interesting. I, yeah. I just learned so much from you about this hormone. So for the listener who is going, okay, I, I think I have symptoms of estrogen dominance. Um, and I know you run the estrogen dominance Facebook group that has Mm -hmm. like a gajillion people in it. Um, 
So for that person that's listening that that goes that because I, I think estrogen dominance is a pretty popular buzzword now. Like I think that that's in our common vernacular. Like, for oh sure. yeah, it's it's you know BPA. People talk about bisphenol A and, and estrogen dominance. That's the Nancy in Missouri knows about all that. Mm-hmm. So she's listening and she's going, okay, I think I have low progesterone. What what do I do? Because I know one thing that you taught me. I'll call it my progesterone masterclass because we met back in August and you taught me like, so I, I, I had to take like a, a long walk after that meeting because <laughs> I just needed to digest everything you said, but you, you talked about how supplementing with progesterone with bioidentical progesterone. Um, and you talked about the different methods there, there are multiple methods, but how that can, like, you got to stick with it for a little bit, because if you're, if you're taking it, it can maybe exacerbate some symptoms at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so for the listener who's thinking, oh, I'm just going to hop on and try progesterone because I think I'm estrogen dominant. Like what would be, what would be your caution maybe to that? And what would you recommend doing? Again, this is, this is not medical advice. This is, this is like girlfriend to girlfriend, watch Mm -hmm. yourself, think about some things before you go making decisions. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, let's start by saying that estrogen dominance doesn't mean you have too much estrogen. It can be that. Yes. It just means that your estrogen to progesterone ratio is off. Your estrogen is dominating your progesterone when it shouldn't be. Because sometimes in your cycle, it's meant to, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's when it's dominating and it should not be. Even at the time in the cycle when hormones are at their lowest level, but your estrogen is dominating. So some women will say, I'm not estrogen dominant because my symptoms come up after my period, or they'll say my symptoms come up here and that's why it's not estrogen, but it could very well be estrogen because it could be at the lowest point of hormone production, but estrogen is like, "Eh," you know, dominating your progesterone. Because again, I use the lion alignment, lion tamer analogy, but I also use the tango because the tango, if you've ever watched or, you know, anything about ballroom dancing and the tango, you know, the partners, like they're constantly trading energy and they're constantly, mm-hmm. one is, is leading the other. It's like a picture in a frame. Neither is less important than the other. It's like constantly, you're either looking at the beautiful picture or you're looking at the gorgeous frame. You're looking mm-hmm. at the man who's holding the woman up strongly and guiding her around, or you're looking at the elegant woman who's flashing and looking so beautiful. Progesterone is estrogen. It's doing its flamboyant thing and giving us full mm-hmm. lips and sexy hips and full breasts and progesterone is like, calm down there. Not too big, not too much, not too full, not too, (laughs) right. It's keeping it in this beautiful dance all the time, all the time. So while progesterone is needed back in the back end, doing, you know, contributing to cortisol or doing this or doing that, it's also needed up front with this estrogen dance, estrogen tango. And so that's why that concept of estrogen dominance, women are like, no, couldn't be me. I have tiny boobs. I'm, I need estrogen. Well, that might be so, but you could also be dominant because your progesterone is low. Yeah. So that's important. And then in regards to medical advice, I wish, I don't want to be the person who feels responsible for someone getting on progesterone and then getting worse. I don't want to be that person. You know, I I want everyone to have a medical physician, doctor who is 
highly, highly knowledgeable about this stuff. But guess what? Good luck finding one. You know, I just uh, met someone, Dr. Rosensweet, um, who I had on my show uh, yesterday, and he was someone who spends time with people who's, who, uh, you know, I'm sure he's expensive, but he takes a lot of time because dosing progesterone is extremely, uh, it's a challenge. You don't, mm -hmm. you know, it's usually pretty easy with young women, but the older we get and the closer we get into our late thirties and, uh, and over you know, you need somebody to really be able to understand this stuff. But even he and I disagreed on a bunch of things that I had read and that I have seen and studied mm -hmm. and researched. He's a huge fan of taking of estrogen. And I just, I'm like, ah, so I do think you should try to find first and foremost, a medical physician who is well-versed in this. It might take you a lot. It's probably going to be a telemed for Nancy in Missouri because they're probably going to be in, you know, the coastal cities like LA and San Francisco and Houston and those places where those doctors mm -hmm. are, but it's doable. Yeah. So that, yes, do see a doctor, check it out first, take some tests, find out, take blood tests, take urine tests, take all the tests that your insurance will afford you or pay out of pocket for something like the Dutch. And that can tell you a lot so that is probably, and I know I went off the rails here a little bit, but I think it's important. It's, it is the biggest challenge that us women have. And that is that there are not enough doctors who have gone off into the weeds for us to understand this in depth and to read the current research and the old research and marry it together and figure out. And each woman has her own variables. So you know, the fact that I haven't had children is going to make me have a very different outcome using progesterone than a 53-year-old woman who has had children. It's so individual, your stress level, if you're an A-type personality versus not, like all those things go into play. And so, yes, please find, try to find a doctor first. But if you can't, which is where I ended up, um, in fact, I was steered very wrong in very bad directions. And I mm -hmm. frankly kind of think that I probably would have, you know, ended up with some children had I found a doctor who did care more and did want to study and understand what I was presenting to them. Look, at I found this study. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? You know, so um, and there are more doctors now that are into it. So that's a good that's good news. I'm estrogen dominant. Now what? I would say that, you know, if you can afford to take the test on your own, like a Dutch or a blood spot on my website, and I know probably you offered the same, there are options for you to discover that. And then understanding the difference between progesterone and progestin, because you can go to your doctor and say, look, I found out I'm estrogen dominant, check this out. And they're going to say, great, let's put you on this progesterone pill or, mm -hmm. you know, patch. And you go, oh, great. They do progesterone here. Fantastic. And then you get on it and you get home and you realize that it's a progestin. And so knowing the difference between those two is crucial. Progestin is synthetic. Yeah. It is, I mean, pro bioidentical progesterone is synthesized in a lab from plants and, and progesterone, and uh, it's bioidentical to the progesterone our own bodies make. Progestin is synthesized in a lab probably from plants at some point back, you know, uh, 
but ultimately it is one molecule, I believe, different from what our bodies make. And that difference is all the difference in the world between, you know, medicated birth control basically is yeah. what you're taking or, or as they're saying now, medicated menopause uh, when you're on birth control. Mm. And they can't say that though, can they? Because that's too scary. But if you told a 26 year old girl who's going on birth control, okay, this birth control puts you into medicated menopause. How would that alter her perspective? You know, oh, the marketing in that is amazing, amazing, right? To call it birth control, like you have control over, you know, just the, the yeah. wording is, is very, it's empowering, right? You can control your births with this pill. And I can't tell you the number of women that have come to me and said, oh, my doctor put me on a progesterone only birth control. So I, I'm just take I'm taking the real deal and I'm, and it's great. And, and I'm like, whoa, yeah, you just, my heart breaks because they think they're on something that they're not. Yeah. I have never put that together. Birth control. It's empowering you to be control over, over birthing. I never thought about that. It's so obvious and in your face, but I never thought about well, it. I, I'm, I started paying attention to marketing with the whole vitamin D thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like we're going to call it a vitamin because people know that vitamins are good for you. Right. right. It's when it's not a vitamin. Right. Because the second like you say, the second you say hormone D, people go, I don't want to mess with my hormones. Yep. Whoa. Right? Wait, what? Yes. Yeah. So the marketing Let's, there is great. Yeah. Let's talk about, this is all part in the same uh, question you asked me. Um, let's talk about that. The, um, the uh, idea that it's, um, I just, you're going to have to edit that. I just spaced out. So you said, yeah. <clears throat> oh, the hormone D yeah. is like, um, is like, what about when I say to someone, have you thought about progesterone? I get this all week. Somebody new says, um, that I was sent to you because I know that you, you know, help people, you guide people to use progesterone, but I don't want to mess with my hormones. And that is like the thing you hear all the time, but it's like, what do you mm -hmm. think taking magnesium is doing? It's messing with your hormones. It's messing with everything because magnesium has more functions in the body than progesterone does, right? It's like what yeah. all of everything, every time we take a vitamin or a supplement or a mineral, particularly minerals, right? Like, um, like when people say I'm on iodine, I'm on iron, um, you know, I mean, talk about messing with your hormones or messing right. with your metabolic body, you know, like, so it's funny how they have certainly tricked us into thinking, no, 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 no. Unless someone's a doctor, do not even talk about your hormones. Don't even say the word hormones unless you're talking to a doctor. It's too dangerous. Yeah. Right. And, and, it, and I think it got that, that, um, that sort of stigma, rightly so because of birth control. You know, because uh, back when Premarin came along, okay. you know, and I'm glad you went there. I was, yeah, gonna, yep. I mean, yeah. So it's scary. These doctors are afraid that if they mm -hmm. give you something and you get birth control and you get breast cancer or any kind of reproductive cancer or hormonal cancer, that they're going to be sued. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty. In uh, the state of California, has mm -hmm. a warning on. We have to put a warning on Ona's bottles and probably every substance in California has a, a cancer warning on it. They're basically saying the state of California sees progesterone as potentially being the cause could cause mm -hmm. cancer. And that's just so wrong because they're referring to progestins, but they don't, they don't discern between mm -hmm. the two. 
in uh, California. Apparently. I wrote that note down that ca California does not delineate between synthetic forms and bioidentical forms of progesterone. So that yeah. they, have, they do that, they have that warning label, which is not to go like totally off subject, but I think that that warning label, people don't even pay attention to it anymore because it's on everything. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's on the coffee maker. It's not like, it's on my couch. It's on, it's on everything that yeah. you know, proposition 65 sort of deal. So it's like, okay, well, I, we just have to ignore this because nothing is good enough for California. Like yeah. we're just, <laughs> well, isn't it interesting that that warning isn't on estrogen? <laughs> oh, really? No, it's not. It's not required to be from my understanding. I, I mean, you could go to Walgreens mm -hmm. or Rite Aid or whatever CVS. And you can buy an estrogen product and it does not say that on the bottle. Interesting. So that's, I mean, I well, might be lobbyists, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we know, right. The same lobbyists that, well, they're the pharma industry, which are selling, I mean, they make way more money on Marina coils and, yeah. you know, uh, the mini pill and all of these different uh, birth control medications than they do on bioidentical progesterone. Well, they can't, oh. isn't, isn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't, isn't it that they can't patent something that's naturally occurring? So that's their, that's why pharmaceuticals do synthetic is because they can't patent it and make money off of it the same way as they can yeah. if they change it a little bit. Yeah, because um, they're not going to give you a bioidentical progesterone pill from a pharmacy. They're going to send you to a compounding pharmacy to get, to get bioidentical progesterone creams mm -hmm. or um, trochids or, you know, sublinguals or whatever. So suppositories, those are all going to be from a compounding pharmacy, which mm -hmm. right now the, the FDA is really putting the pressure mm -hmm. on to stop the production of bioidentical hormones through compounding pharmacies. So um, yeah, so there, there's a, a, some kind of effort against it. And it's strange because I don't, I don't want to talk about why that could be and the, nearest, the nefarious possibilities behind that. But what we do know is it's much safer. It's much, much mm -hmm. safer than estrogen. So why? Why is it even a war? I mean, it, it'd be one thing to say, we recommend you see your physician to get guidance on taking this. Why not? You could do, you do that. There's, it's on other over-the-counter, yeah. you know, um, even on supplements where it says we recommend two per day or see your physician or, you know, whatever your mm -hmm. physician is recommending. So, yeah. Um, so we went off track just a little bit yeah. there. Well, you've mentioned the Dutch a few times. So that's a dried urine test of comprehensive hormones. It's, it's a urine test that looks at your, your sex and stress hormones and their metabolites. And I see, I kind of see people in one of two camps here. I see people with that just, don't, they're not making any progesterone. And then I see other people with symptoms of estrogen dominance who are making a lot of progesterone. And I really like what you said that, you know, it's all relative. Like mm. you, you could be making hardly any estrogen, but if estrogen is still the one you're making the most of out of your hormones, yeah, you are estrogen dominant. That is the most dominant sex hormone. And so I recommend progesterone to a lot of women who they're, they're on a healthy level in that dial of, of progesterone. They're, they're making, you know, it, I'll put in air quotes here within functional limits or within normal limits is, is what the, the medical language would say. Right. Mm -hmm. And I find that they really benefit from that progesterone. Mm. 
So, um, and I don't have the experience. I know you, you run the estrogen dominance group and that's a very specific group of people who maybe have more complicated cases. I've not ever had somebody have a negative reaction to progesterone, but where I kind of struggle with is, is with dosing and kind of, I, I do like to monitor, I know you like to monitor people as well who are on it to see, okay, well, you know, here's where we're at. Here's what we need to do next because the needs fluctuate with using progesterone. The method Uh can fluctuate. And I think it's really interesting. You've talked uh, before about how people with certain conditions can absorb progesterone differently, um, Uh older versus younger. Do you mind kind of touching on that? Cause I know like on your, with your company, Ona, you have different types of progesterone and for good reason and different, different strengths. So I, I think that's really interesting. And I think the listener who's, who's maybe looking at like, wh- where do I start? Be kind of cool to, to hear what the options are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also wanted to, to give credit to, to Ray Pete for, for his work in, in making this possible. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Let's see. I'll start with, with Ray Pete. So Ray Pete is you know, I've, I, like I said, I knew about him for a while because my mentor was a big fan and he would always quote him and talk about his research and uh, the studies that he would uncover and whatnot. And then I really was kind of on the edge of that. I hadn't gone deep into the repeat world. And then uh, just after having the estrogen dominance support group on Facebook, that's what it's called, the estrogen dominance support group, because now I think there's an estrogen dominance group as well. Mm-hmm. Estrogen dominance support group. You know, I was... I'm always, as you are looking for why things aren't working for some people, you know, like you said, you haven't really seen anybody have a bad, bad reaction to, to uh, progesterone, but what I have seen, and I think it's because of who I am and who I attract and the estrogen dominant support group seems to be a lot of those same women. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the variables behind why some women absorb differently has to do with other underlying issues in the body that are being overlooked. So I I mentioned this doctor I had on that I disagreed with, but that was really good at what he does. He was saying, he's saying he never, he doesn't see women in his office go over 150 milligrams ever and that everyone does Mm -hmm. really well. And I was like, okay, well, then I said, well, I was on 800 milligrams for over a year and then came down had a complete relief of symptoms, had, you know, I passed polyps. I mean, I had like a cathartic experience during that 800 milligrams. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you that that's dangerous because I don't think it is dangerous. He said, Mm -hmm. what I do think is you might've been wasting your money because you were overlooking other things that we could have brought balance to Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have needed so much. And I agree with that because what I'm learning now, and this is this goes back to the repeat thing where he talks about liver issues, liver stagnation. I don't know if he uses yeah. that word, liver stagnation. Uh, he talks about gut health and endotoxin, things that keep us from eliminating yeah. toxic estrogen, right? So basically it's like these overlooked symptoms, these overlooked issues. So the gut health, gut, gut health is super important. Liver function is super important. And if you aren't eliminating and that's what the dutch is so good with go so good for and you know what i find funny just side note is a lot of these experts 
will say like, um, they'll say, uh, oh, the Dutch is just not good because of A, B, and C. And this other person will say, I'm not a fan of 24-hour urine because of this reason. Oh, I'm not, you know, blood only shows what's in circulation. And, and I'm like, well, don't bash the tests. Like put them all together in a yeah. cohesive puzzle. You know, Tate, we're trying to put together a puzzle here because the Dutch is so incredibly valuable when it comes to what you said, which is the metabolites and what we're doing, not just our hormone levels, but what you're doing with your hormones and your spent hormones, which is crucial. You, you know, a really good Dutch practitioner can look at your Dutch test and, and without seeing thyroid levels, because it doesn't show you your thyroid uh, numbers you can tell if that person's hypothyroid. You can tell if that person has a stagnant liver. You can tell if that person yeah. has SIBO even. You can even tell if they've got leaky gut. It is, if you've got a good practitioner, that test I think is worth its weight in gold times 10, you know? It's like, yeah. And so, um, because this Dr. Rosenseat was like, ah, oh, the Dutch this and the Dutch, I was like, hey man, like try it, add it to your picture of someone's oh. puzzle and you're gonna learn a lot. Mm. So anyway- so that, uh, going back to what he said about me, that something's overlooked. So a lot of women can have hypothyroid mm -hmm. and that, that can mean that they've got a drier skin or they have difficulty with absorption at the skin, even like they'll put lotion on and still feel constantly dry yet mm -hmm. their hands are moist or clammy. And that kind of, even if your thyroid labs look normal, if you aren't testing your pulse and your temperature, your basal in the morning, resting temperature and pulse, and then 40 minutes after you eat your largest meal for like a week or even two weeks to see if it's out of range. And I'll say what those ranges are quickly. You can actually see what, if there's subtle sluggishness at the thyroid. Oh, and yeah. And so just since I said that, I'll give this to everyone. So the so this is basically testing your thyroid at home every morning, right when you wake up with a thermometer for a week or so when you wake, uh, when you wake and then 40 minutes after lunch, pulse and temp, it, the pulse should be between 75 and 80 and the temp should be between 97.9 and 99. Now it can be under those values or it can be over the under or over and under is showing you some sluggishness. You're having a slow metabolic rate mm. over it can tell us that you are in a, adrenal um, overload. You're in, you're, you're utilizing cortisol and adrenaline, all those, those hormones that make you hyper, you wake up in the morning and your heart's pounding, or, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep. Those are going, mm. those are going to show up in a uh, you know, one or two week look at your pulse. And it's just a reading. It's not, you know, we're not saying you're absolutely hypothyroid, but it's just showing us that you have some sluggishness. Now, if you do have sluggishness at the, at the thyroid, you're going to have problems converting your fuel. And in other words, converting the things you eat, say like your cholesterol from your food and turning that cholesterol into hormones, which is the basic you know, cholesterol is the basic uh, component to all hormones, like you need cholesterol to make hormones. Mm -hmm. So women are like, oh, my testosterone is so low and I'm low on all my hormones. I need to take hormones. Yeah, you probably could benefit from doing that. But how about we find out why you're not making hormones? Mm -hmm. Do you have really high cholesterol and you're not converting that cholesterol? So it's just sitting there. 
right? Clogging your arteries or whatever it's doing. So that's a big thing to look at that can affect absorption, but also affect how you produce your hormones and how effectively you do that. Mm -hmm. Then there's candida. So almost everybody has candida. It's, it's native to our guts. It's supposed to be there, but to an infective level, to a level that's abundant to the point that it's creating mm -hmm. um, everything from yeast infections to itchy bum, to thrush in the mouth, white tongue, uh, dirty ears, bad breath. Oh my goodness. Like it just goes on and on, right? Candida, leaky gut. So this can also, the, the candida can clog up receptor sites. And so it can make it hard to um, absorb. Heavy metals can do the same thing. And heavy metals and candida are like BFFs. So then there's also uh, any kind of severe gut dysbiosis can also inhibit uptake of progesterone and production of progesterone. So yeah, there's a bunch of reasons why I needed that 800 milligrams, not because I was absorbing it. I wasn't. I was absorbing small amounts of that. Mm -hmm. And that's, those small amounts were life-changing. Can you overdose on progesterone? That is a big argument. This doctor I just had was like, absolutely you can. But Carol Peterson, who I far, far, tr I trust her mm -hmm. far more, who's patient-facing, mm -hmm. but she's also really big on the front of, of doing studies on PMDD and women and mm. mega doses of progesterone. And those women had very difficult times absorbing it and they needed starting at 400 milligrams. And they were taking little breaking up that 400 or 600 milligrams every 20 minutes, every 30 minutes, they put pea size amounts of progesterone because their body wasn't able to uptake that entire dollop of 400 or 500, right? Or mm -hmm. broken that, you know, 200 in the morning, 200 in the afternoon, 200 at night was still too big of doses. They needed to break all of those up into much tinier doses. And then they started to see complete relief. So that's fascinating to me. No one really has answers. I mean, I think it makes sense, hypothyroid and candida and whatnot, but it's very fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, complete relief. And I really believe her. Let's see, should I go down that hole of, of, of too much progesterone? Uh, a lot of women can get very, very sleepy. It depends on what they do with their progesterone and what form of progesterone. If you're taking oral, mm -hmm. you're most likely, it's got to go through and this might be a little too much info, but it, 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 it has to go through both passes at the liver. So that's phase one detox and phase two detox, where topical only goes through phase two. So in that phase one that it goes through, you're going to make metabolites out of that. You're going to break it down at the liver that first go. And mm -hmm. one of the metabolites, the al allopregnanediol, I believe, the, the alpha pathway that the progesterone goes down, is what creates drowsiness create some nausea for some women, grogginess in the morning. It can knock some women out. Like they can just completely like, a, like get sedated from it. Georgie Dinkoff was saying that progesterone was used for many years in pet surgery to, for, as the anesthesia to put them out. Because <laughs> wow. that's how potent it can be as a sedative. And it, that's why so many women love Prometrium, which is the prescribed version of oral bioidentical progesterone. Mm very confusing. Prometrium can sound like a pill, like synthetic, but it, it's not that I love that. I mean, I, I haven't taken it in a while now, but I used to take it because it just helped me sleep through the night. 
but only oral progesterone, right? Not even sublingual, but the one that goes through the stomach and through digestion first and second pass at the liver. So there's a lot of variables and that can be very overwhelming for women. So I just, I, and I get that. And I feel like that's why we need this guidance, you know? And yeah, so uh, let's, let's throw this in there. I think it's important is the, uh, you were saying about getting worse before you get better type of thing where women- Yeah. So women can, women tend to blame, and I love Morley's analogy. I use it all the time. I've named a few podcasts after it and a few blogs, which is don't blame the flies for the trash. So it's really easy (laughs) to blame progesterone for anxiety and my worsening of my bleeding and all these things that could potentially get worse when you start progesterone. And The issue here is that when you start progesterone in some women, it stimulates estrogen receptors, it stimulates the estrogen, and that can cause what we call in our group, estrogen kickback. Mm -hmm. And not all women go through this. In fact, like you said, you've never seen it. This can create what women think is I'm allergic to progesterone or I'm sensitive to progesterone and I can't take it. I did terrible on progesterone. I gained weight on progesterone. So a lot of women do that. They think, oh, I got on progesterone. I won't touch it because I got sick right away or I got worse right away. It made my bleeding worse. So that's what we call estrogen kickback. And it's that estrogen that is, is fighting back. It's fighting for dominance. It's that lion that's like waking up and fighting to be dominant. I don't know why estrogen does that. It's not like there's an intelligence to it. I just think that that's the nature of estrogen is to kind of hurry up and do its job. And if progesterone is not there to regulate it, it won't, it'll go crazy. So that's, we call that an underdosing issue. So we all, we say, if you have a reaction, raise your dose. And that can mean, like we were saying about PMDD, where you're raising your dose every 20 or 30 minutes, just like a pea size amount of topical cream, for example. So you raise the dose until the symptoms subside. So I had this issue with the migraine problems that I had. So I had severe, severe migraines. That was one of my big hormonal issues was they were so debilitating. I you know, couldn't leave the house for a few days. So at the onset of the migraine, I would take a pea-sized amount of like a 5%, a low-strength cream, so 3% cream or 5% cream. We can talk about that if you want. And then we take a pea-sized amount and I would rub it behind my ears and then wait 20 minutes. If I still had the migraine, I would add another pea-sized amount to the other side behind my ear. If I still had the migraine, I would take some magnesium and then I'd add another pea-sized amount. So I've done this five or six or seven times by noon, let's say, and now I'm symptom-free. And now I'm at, let's say, 250 milligrams of topical cream. I stay there. I don't go up or down. I stay there until I feel another symptom. So, and if I don't feel another symptom, well, then that's my dose. I'm at 250 milligrams every day. Sometimes it's daily for some women. Sometimes it's during, you know, day, uh, it's a, Either you're doing a maintenance protocol or you're doing a therapeutic protocol. Therapeutic would be someone who's taking it daily because they're like with me, I was infertile. I was having issues, all the issues and little bits of progesterone would make me so much worse. 
So I would have to do it daily and I would have to up my dose until I had no symptoms. So you can imagine after those migraines, I'm at 250 milligrams and let's say a couple of days pass, I'm getting close to ovulation and all of a sudden I start bleeding instead of ovulating. And I start to, and the and it, it's coming quickly. The blood is heavy. So then I go up a dose. I go up a dose. I do it again. Mm. And now all of a sudden, my bleeding has stopped. And now I'm at 450 milligrams daily. And then carry on. I'm great at that point. I've gone three weeks and I'm blissed out. I've never been happier. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm ovulating right? And my, my, mm -hmm. I'm getting uh, middle schmerz, right? The, the cramps where you can feel yourself ovulating. Mm -hmm. It was always my right ovary for some reason. And then, okay. So then I start taking progesterone again, or I have an anxiety attack, or I feel super depressed, or I'm not sleeping through the night, whatever symptom it is, melasma in my case got darker when I started using progesterone. Okay. The melasma is darker. I started rubbing progesterone into my forehead this was all over the course of two or three weeks when I started it. And this is a therapeutic dosing. This is for a woman who is severely riddled with all kinds of issues, having issues with absorption. This isn't your average woman, but this is a woman who is quite common now, very common. This is happening more and more. So this is why I ended up at 800 milligrams a day for a whole year. And finally got to a point where the melasma was gone. The migraines were gone. I, I started having a period, even though I was at 800 milligrams, I was ovulating. So that's why women are like, progesterone is going to stop you from ovulating. Yeah, it can. If you are taking more than you need to oppose the estrogen. Mm. So it's this very delicate mm. dance that we need to pay close mm. attention to if you're going to be doing this yourself. You first figure out if you need the therapy method or you need the maintenance method. Sounds like all the women that come to you and a lot of women need just the maintenance, which is generally the doctors will tell you four, days 14 through 28. Mm -hmm. That's when you, and it's probably not above 150 milligrams, even 50, as low as 50 milligrams a day. And that's a maintenance method. It's very common. And some women are like, ah, I don't bleed enough or I bleed too much, but I don't have cramps. And I say, well, then go from ovulation to day one of bleeding. That's still maintenance and still a common medical recommendation. And you might stay at that 50 milligrams or 175 milligrams for days ovulation to bleeding. Day one of blood, red blood flow, right? That's the first day one of your period is day one of red blood flow. Not spotting, not brown, not little scanty period. It's day one of red blood flow. Two, that's when you stop, right? So ovulation to bleeding. So um, if you're trying to conceive, you cannot dose progesterone before you ovulate. So you have to, you have to know when you ovulate and when the day you ovulate, I always tell women to start the next day on the progesterone because it can stop you from ovulating. Mm -hmm. So well, that was a lot of info, I know, but- No, that was I, great. Oh, good, good. Because I really want women to understand why that therapeutic dosing comes into play and that it's not just my invention. This is, this is a whole bunch of women suffering severely like I was, not getting the help they needed, created communities like the Progesterone Therapy website 
and then now the estrogen dominant support group and Carol Peterson and all these people, mm -hmm. even Catherine Dalton used to Katerina Dalton, Dr. Dalton, she was doing this back in the, in her day, you know, giving women high doses of progesterone. Ray Pete even talks mm -hmm. about giving high doses of progesterone like this. So it's a, it is the wild west. And that's what Dr. Rosensweet was not happy about. And I said, mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful because we know it's safe. Yeah, we're going to have women who are afraid they're at 600 milligrams and they're like, it's not getting better. And we're like, go up, go up, raise your dose. You're going to be okay. You got to be doing the homework too. You can't just take progesterone and think it's a magic bullet. You got to be doing the, you know, the mag. You got to be the magnesium. You got to be getting the vitamin A retinol. You have to do the, get your bioavailable copper up because I know that's the complex rabbit hole that we love so much, but it's, it's very important to at least start to understand why estrogen is high yeah. and that's, or dominating. Yeah. I'm glad you said it's not a magic, it's not a magic, you know, pill or, or magic or, cream. Yeah. You, you have to address your stuff too. So if you're a really stressed person, progesterone is only going to get you so far, right? Or if you yeah. are eating McDonald's every day, which I know my listeners aren't, that's only going to get you so far. You have to, you, you have to do your homework as well. Um, yeah. but I wanted to ask you that, and I loved your, your response and how intricate it was because what I don't want to be responsible for is women listening to this episode and then going out and then doing things and getting frustrated because it is an intricate dance. It is, mm -hmm. We are talking about hormones. We are talking about things that can impact your mood, your, your fertility, your, how good you feel, um, how drowsy you feel. Right. And so I think it's important to understand what you're playing with. And I also, I, I, I don't know half as much about progesterone as you do, but from what I read, I, I'm not afraid of dosing. I don't, I think what I have access to, well, and with your products too, um, I, I think you can bathe in it and you'll be okay. I really yeah. don't, I haven't experienced any negative, um, but I do, but I do respect progesterone. You know, I respect it and I don't, you know, I kind of think of like the, the ocean, I respect the ocean, but I'm not afraid to go in it. Yeah. Um, I respect progesterone, but I'm not afraid to play with it. Um, and I've had really good success spe specifically with women trying to conceive, mm -hmm. um, I've, I've had a, a, just a client that comes to mind just recently. All we did was we changed out her self-care products. She's using a lot of self-care products that had xenoestrogens, which are just mm -hmm. chemicals um, that mimic the role of estrogen in the body. So tend to make women estrogen dominant. And we just started using 3% progesterone and she got pregnant. Yeah. Um, pretty quickly actually. So, and I'm not saying that's going to be your story if you're, you're listening, but I just, I'm really encouraged by that. And I'm, I'm encouraged by the work you're doing. I'm encouraged by, by Ray Pete. And, and if, if I understand this right, he, he has the patent that makes your products possible. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I, I still don't fully understand it because I'm trying, I'm trying to get him on my show, but it's very difficult. As you know, he's quite old. And um, even though he's always on shows, but I, I just want him to know that it's because of that patent, my partner at Ona's, which was Ona's husband. And he's the, I like to call him the mad chemist. He said, if it wasn't for him, we couldn't freely make large strengths. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, again, I keep on bringing up Dr. Rosensweet, who was like, we can't not have compounding pharmacies. It's so important because otherwise, you know, you're just looking at one strength. And I'm like, that's not entirely true, sir. You know, Ona's <laughs> makes 3%, 5%, 10%, 20%, and different mediums. So we make an oral oil yeah. that, well, we make an oil that can be dosed orally. It can be used topically. It can be used vaginally. All of our products are clean. They can all be used vaginally or rectally. Um, not all the creams can't be taken orally, even though it wouldn't hurt you, but it would be gross. But all of them are safe enough to dose in, in to use in any form. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we've even used. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book Adrenaline Dominance by Michael Platt, Doctor Platt, but he he talks about using three percent and five percent on children with autism. So mm-hmm. I've used 5%, 3% on children with autism, children with in the spectrum, children with night terrors, bedwetting. I've used it on dogs with incontinence. I've used it on, chi- I've had a girlfriend who used it on her broody chickens and had wow. great success. I mean, it's incredible. And I forgot that the xenoestrogen, you, that was one of the top reasons that Carol Peterson thinks that uh, women are having issues with absorption. It's because these xenoestrogens can occupy not just the estrogen receptor, but even possibly the progesterone receptor. So talk about a chameleon. It's, 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 scary. it's scary in that way. And uh, so I have this theory because I've been doing this for so long now that it's like 100% of the time now. When women do use progesterone and have rashes, especially on their chest and their neck, sometimes it gets so bad that it turns into like lizard skin. And I mean, my, one of my girlfriends was my client who had it and you could touch her skin and it felt like the skin of a lizard. Thank God she trusted me and she was brave. She was like, as long as it doesn't move onto my face, I think I can tolerate this. She wanted to quit. And I said, I just have this feeling you're detoxing sunblock and med and uh and foundation and concealer and ma- and makeup off out of your body xenoestrogen so you're de- you're detoxing it sure enough she kept through it she didn't apply it to her chest anymore she started to move to the back of her neck and to the bottoms of her feet as we like to favor thin skin areas mm-hmm. um even though there's no research that says that it collects in the fat even though you'll hear doctors say it over and over and over There's no research. Carol Peterson said, show me the assay, show me the test that showed that there was actually progesterone lodged or caught up in fat cells. And there's, it's not, it's not a thing, Mm. but just because so much, so much conflicting info out there, I say, let's favor thin skinned areas anyway. So neck under face, um, forearms, back of the neck, ears, inside the ears, rectum, interlabially, uh, bottoms of the feet. Those are my favorite places to apply. Mm-hmm. And so sure enough, her skin completely healed. She can, she's still using progesterone to this day. And since her, which was way back when I started uh, helping women with it, I have ha- had so many women get the rashes, not to that degree. And I'm like, if you can tolerate it, if it's not bleeding or burning and it's not accompanied by fever or nausea, if you can tolerate it, I think you should go up and dose and find another place to apply it. Every time 
it heals mm -hmm. up and it passes. So I'm convinced there's a xenoestrogen culprit here with a lot of the absorption issues. Wow. Mm. I Craziness. didn't know that. I didn't even think about the fact that, well, I just didn't even think about the receptors and how, how xenoestrogens can't, could potentially interfere with a progesterone receptor. Yeah. That thought never crossed my mind. I don't That's know how so that mechanism, I don't know how that would work, but it, it definitely, they're so creepy, those xenos. Um, also, Carol said that um, some women just have less receptors. And I talked to Georgie Dinkoff and he thinks that is someone who has been running on cortisol, mm -hmm. like myself, from babyhood, right? From, your, from an infant level, where your stress levels are keeping you in fight or flight your whole life that let's go back to that catabolizing concept. Maybe it's destroying progesterone receptors. And so you mm. just don't have enough or it's shutting them down. I don't know. Um, and he was, he was referencing that he said, you know, I think, yeah, some people do have, even men have less progesterone receptors. And oh, this is probably a cortisol function of cortisol and probably you can't grow them back or you can't turn them on. I don't know. But, um, so that would also play into, I think that, like I said, the landscape mm -hmm. of the progesterone research has got a long way to go and it's going to, we're going to find out some pretty amazing and shocking things at some point where it's like, oh, wow, the cortisol, you know, cortisol seems to really be um, running the show for a lot of women. And when you run that, that cortisol, that when you're running off cortisol and an epinephrine, norepinephrine, adrenaline, you know, you're flipping on, Morley said this to me, that's who was on my show yesterday, Morley, Dr. Rosensweet was the day before I had Morley back for the sixth time <laughs> and he's so great. And he said, um, it's the, it's the fat switch because you're on, you're running on cortisol and it's fine for many women, many people. It's fine for a long time until it isn't. And mm. then you start to affect, you know, your energy production and metabolism and everything. And then that, that fat switch gets flipped on and insulin resistance happens. And now you've got cortisol, cortisol belly, mm. and you've got these women who are heading into menopause, like myself, where I'm like, okay, why is that not going anywhere at belly, that apron of fat, we call mm -hmm. it. And that's what it is. It's because this cortisol adrenaline monkey, mm. right? Goodness. I, I have so many questions and thoughts just about that alone. I know <laughs> me too. Me too. I, I want to be, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your knowledge on progesterone. I know a lot of people are going to listen to this and be like, holy cow. Like I didn't even know this world existed. I didn't even know to be paying attention to progesterone. I love that you call progesterone a chameleon that it, I, I think the last time we talked, you said, you know, it's more akin to, um, actually, I think I wrote it down. You said progesterone is more akin to something that it is to something else. And it just blew my mind. Ooh. And now I can't think of it. I should I'm write it down when you find it. <laughs> Let me see. I did write it down. And my time is, is fine. I'm, I'm, okay. I have a good, yeah. So don't worry about my time. Just entirely up to how long you want oh. your show to be. <laughs> you said it's more akin to pregnenolone than DHEA is. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a uh, definitely in fact, okay. So um, I got really frustrated with 
in my group, we have 20, 22,000 members now, maybe a little more. And I, it breaks my heart when women are like, I'm allergic. I tried it. It almost mm -hmm. killed me. I ended up in ER. They have these stories where I'm like, wait a minute, why, why'd you end up in ER? I had an anxiety attack and and I'm like, that is not progesterone. That is progesterone is an anxiolytic. I think I yes. said that right. Right. It's, it literally helps calm anxiety. Yeah. It comes in for that reason. It is, that's one of its superpowers. Like I said, they were, they use it as sedation. Right. So if you're having anxiety, this is revealing, shedding some light on something else. Right. And it's most likely that you're having an adrenaline response which has more to do with your estrogen load and your hypothyroid. And, you know, we can peel that onion back all the way down to high iron, high estrogen, low, mm -hmm. ma low mag, low bioavailable copper, et cetera. But um, it breaks my heart. And, and then, and of course I wouldn't want them to continue if that's that they're going to end up in ER. But I would have said to that woman in the beginning, when she said, I'm having anxiety attacks, I would say, go up and dose, do, do, do micro doses, um, make sure you're getting enough carbohydrate, healthy carbohydrate, make sure you're, you know, and we would talk about that. But a lot of women are like, nope, I'm unique to this. And there are, there are women who are unique to it, but I'm unique. I do not need, I can't do it. And I get so sad and heartbroken because I know they need it. I know they need it. So I said, I did some research and talked to Georgie Dinkoff and talked to uh, my, my partner. And I said, I think we need to carry pregnenolone because pregnenolone is higher up, more safe, weaker, mm -hmm. even though it's the mother of all hormones and donates to everything. It's gentler. I shouldn't say weak. It's just gentler. It's like a mom that has five kids. Mm -hmm. You know, she dilutes all of what she has to give out to all the children, mm -hmm. but she's powerful. Nonetheless, she's important. And the rock, the cornerstone, right? Preg that's pregnenolone but it, 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 it favors the progesterone pathway. It favors making progesterone mm. rather than, so when you, uh, at least it does topically when you take it, when, when it's just in it's, when your body's producing it, it's going to favor whatever is going on in your body. You know, if you, if you are a type personality, if you, if you have, you're going to favor DHEA and you're going to make androgens, you're going to make more testosterone. If you're, you know, more the opposite of that, it's going to favor progesterone mm. and estrogen and cortisol. Right. So, so wait, I mean, not to not, not cortisol, sorry. So, um, so I said, we should, we should carry it because it's weaker. Worst mm. case scenario in someone, it does not, it doesn't do much, but best case scenario is these women who really think that they can't tolerate progesterone they'll have a better experience with it and, and it'll mm -hmm. help them to make progesterone naturally. It'll favor that pathway. So I, we developed a product, a 10% um, pregnenolone called Luna Madre, which is, mm. you know, mother is ma madre or madre. And mm. Luna is our, is our logo is the moon. And that has an owner reference, but also our moon cycles, right? Even though men use progesterone and make progesterone. Um, that's why I came up with that mm. logo. So yeah. So the pregnenolone, yeah, it is more akin to pregnenolone, to progesterone than it is to DHA. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I just want, you just demonstrated to me exactly why I wanted you on the show, because a lot of people can talk about hormones and hormones are a really sexy topic, right? There, a lot of people want to talk about, but I wanted to interview somebody who understood 
that it takes enzymes to make hormones and it takes minerals to make enzymes. And you get that, you mm. understand that. So you look, you do peel that onion back and, and you go, well, what is your mag? Cause you need mag to make energy. Right. Yeah. Um, and that you understand kind of mineral dis dysregulation and the role that that can play in somebody. So you're not just recommending a bioidentical hormone to people. You're saying, get your act together, like really look at this bigger picture because the foundation of hormones is just, it's just as important. So anyways, Amen. I just wanted to put that out there because I'm, yeah, I'm so glad you did because you know, people, women say to me, why take, why, why not get to the root cause? And I'm like, amen. Yes. <laughs> and when you figure that out, you let me know <laughs> because yes, I do. I do know, you know, yeah, we do need, I always say ABCDE plus magnesium. You know, some people aren't in the D camp, but you still have to get D. You still have to either consume it through cod liver oil, or you have got to do it some way. So ABCDE and magnesium. And then, um, you know, upregulate digestion, support thyroid function, support your liver. Yeah. But someone like myself and a lot of women who have Lyme disease, who have, you know, uh, various infections, who've had a lot of trauma in their life, who've had, who have PTSD, women who just have extremely stressful lives, women who can't manage their stress. Mm -hmm. These women can do all the things Yeah, I, I can do. I, I can do, I can upregulate my gut as I have for 17 years. I have done so much gut work that it's almost nauseating <laughs> and do the root cause protocol and try to, you know, dump iron and take all my adrenal cocktails and do all the things. And I still have this, it's almost like, it's just, I'm not saying it's not fixable, but there are just some women that are going to be on progesterone for the rest of their lives. There's some women who are going to need to take Epsom salts for the rest of their lives. They're going to need yeah. magnesium. They're going to need a chill pill at the end of the day. <laughs> You're going to need, you might, I mean, I'm telling you, like, I'm not opposed to antidepressants. I'm not opposed. These things oh, yeah. are there for a reason. And progesterone is even a crutch in some cases, but if my leg isn't healing, thank God for that crutch, right? If I broke mm -hmm. my leg and I need a crutch, thank God for the crutch. I don't need it. I need to get to the root cause of why my leg is broken. <laughs> okay. Try Good luck with that. In the meantime, I've got my crutch and I'm going to use my crutch. Do you so, know that I say that often that that's a limitation of functional medicine, this root cause? No, because I say this all the time. And I feel like you should know that. <laughs> because Action. well well for for a couple of reasons one i think that migraines you talked about migraines a few times i i think they're the result of a perfect storm i don't think there is one root cause to migraines i think you've got a lot of things happening all at the same time to cause a migraine um and so i think yeah. sometimes functional medicine a limitation of that is they get focused on the one thing like we need to find the one thing and then you have blinders on to everything else that's important. Yes. Um, another thing that I don't like about the root cause is sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it doesn't matter what caused something if you can figure out how to solve it. Yes, and, and I'll say the opposite of that is true also. It's a lot easier to solve a problem when you know what caused it in the first place. But mm -hmm. I would also say that there are situations where, you know, in, in my approach, like, because I use things like magnesium in my practice, I'm treating every cell and tissue in the body. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it doesn't matter what caused that dysfunction. If we're restoring function everywhere, we're going to clear that up. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. But it's so funny that you're 
Cause that's I not, that. a, that's not a popular opinion. No, no. I mean, I, you know, people fall off their chairs when I'm like, Hey, take an Advil, honey. Like don't, su don't suffer. You know, it's just like, there's, but you have, I guess it really depends on what you want. You know, if you want, ju you just want your symptoms to go away. That can be dangerous because there's a lot of ways to make symptoms mm -hmm. go away and sure. create other problems. So, you know, really, I, I just want to thrive. I want to know that I'm doing the right thing. You know, I you're going to really appreciate this um, to bring this into the mix really quickly is I had this, uh, this crazy revelation the other, it was kind of a dream. I was in my sleep. I was about to wake up in the morning and um, I had this like message from God. And it was like, you know, I guess I was at church the previous day and they were saying, we all worship something. We all worship something. We break it. In. We're, first of all, we're designed. We're just human beings do that. We just look mm -hmm. for things. We obsess on them. We worship them. It can be alcohol. It can be sex. It can be relationships, different going from relationship to relationship. It can be really healthy things too, like God. And I, um, I was like, yeah, I can't think of what I worship. I can't think of it. I don't know what it is. I think I'm pretty stable these days. And I know why, right before I woke up, I got this message like, actually you're worshiping health you're worshiping uh trying to figure out your body and other people's bodies and though that is absolutely a noble thing to set your your sight on um you're worshiping it and that's mm -hmm. not good because you're forgetting you're you're it's like you're worshiping the creation not the creator you're mm -hmm. forgetting why you are, you have these gifts, you have the ability to help people and to help yourself. You're forgetting why you have access to all this knowledge and why you have this photographic memory with nothing but progesterone, nothing else. I can't even remember anything from two days ago, but progesterone, I'm like, da -da 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 -da. what is that? What is that? It's a gift. And you're worshiping the creation, not the creator. And so I bring that up because it's like, even at the core of healing, you know, yeah, the root cause protocol, yeah, the onion. But if you keep peeling that onion, you know, God's waiting for you at the bottom of that onion. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, it's, you're going to break it down. We are not in control totally. And so we have to relinquish control sometimes. And I say this to myself, like I, I get a little bit too obsessed with the what, the why, why did this happen? Mm. Why did I, why do I have eczema when my gut is great? Why, what, what's happening? Why, why, and I get super obsessed. Oh, it's the ATP and the, the transport chain of the, you know, mm. and I talk to Morley and I go down that rabbit hole and I'm like, okay, it's my, whatever, my transport chain. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, how about just relax? How about relax? Uh -huh. Take some hydrocortisone so the itching will stop and take a nap and yeah. come back to it later, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I just went off there for a minute, but I thought I love it was relevant. That. Thank you for sharing that. No, I think that sure. that's, that's beautiful to have those, those revelations and those thoughts of, you know, I'm not really in control anyways. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but not being complacent in that ride either. Right. Still. Right. Having, it's, there's a balance. There's definitely a balance. And, and I, I struggle with that too. I, I have moments where I'm like, I got to put the book down. I got <laughs> to put the book down. And even right before um, giving birth, I, I would say like a month or so before I was like, I'm too in my own head. I need to be. So I started doing more like arts and crafts and I started reading less research just so I could be in that right brain. Cause 
I knew that's where I needed to be to give birth. And, um, that was such a gift to kind of step away and take a breath for a little bit. And, um, I, I still, I, in that time, I think Jim, I have Jim Stevenson jr. On the show a few times and he was sending, this was in a period where he was doing a lot of research and getting excited and sending me articles. And I just had to put them in a folder and Morley too. Morley will send me articles. I just put them in a folder for a minute and go, okay, I'll come back to the, my thought was, I'll come back to this once she's here. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) I'm so impressed that you're here with me right now. I'm so impressed. I was like, oh, I think she's probably had her baby die now and I'm probably not going to hear from her for a while. And here we are. So I just, you're really juggling well. So I I wanted this to happen so badly because I think your message is so important and so encouraging. Oh, and I want to end on this because this is really funny. So um, shout out to my mom. My mom is a fan of your podcast. My mom oh. listens to a bunch of health and wellness podcasts, and I can't keep up with everybody she listens to. Uh huh. But she, so she subscribed to your podcast, and she just had the next episode playing, and she goes, "Oh my God, Steph, I was listening to her podcast, and then I recognized your voice. <laughs> I didn't tell, I didn't tell her that I was on your podcast." <laughs> I just, it didn't, I don't know. It did slip my mind. I don't know. That's so, so anyways, funny. she's like, I know I that voice. <laughs> that's me. That's my kid. <laughs> that's anyways, awesome. What I are the odds? That story. And I love that she listens. That's so cool. Oh yeah. Um, she finds the best, like she finds the best people. I'm not sitting there. I try not to impose my own stuff on, on my family members. Uh-huh. So I don't say like, mom, you got to listen to the, I, I don't, I don't. Yeah. And so she found that on her own and she's like, uh, yeah, I'm subscribed and you've just popped right in. She's like, I didn't cute. even pay attention to the title or anything. I just had the next one in the queue, the episode aired and I listened. <laughs> That's really <laughs> funny. I love those stories. I love them because they come from like all over, you know, I'll get some Australian people that are like, you know, um, I was listening to you and, and I didn't even know, you know, it was you. And now mm. I'm like obsessed. And it, I realized, oh my gosh, this is the woman who runs my estrogen dominance group, you know, and they're like <laughs> in Australia, you know, awesome. I love that. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Your message is getting out there. So that's I'm awesome. so glad. Well, it's going to get, you know, it's going to get harder. The road's going to get um, narrower and, and FDA is going to tighten their screws. And I'm really praying that it's not going to have an effect on over the counter, it's already having an effect on like PayPal and Amazon and, and oh, people who sell. So, yeah. you know, let's just hope that it doesn't come down to them taking away our ability to, to manufacture it because I think it, it would be a sad day. So let's hope Absolutely. that doesn't happen. Well, I will link um, your estrogen dominant support group, your Instagram, your podcast, anything else you would like me to link. I'll make your website, Ona's website. Ona's, yeah. There. Okay. Um, yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy gal and I'm just so glad we got to make this happen. Um, I have so much respect for you and your work. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank for you. Me. It means so much coming from you. It really does. Thank you. Well, thanks for tuning in. I hope you found this episode to be helpful. If you can think of someone who would benefit from knowing this information, please send them the episode. Knowledge is power. And when we know better, we do better. Check out the show notes for any links you might need. I have Kitty's info posted in there as well. Okay, friends, time to go back to the real world. Be well and be kind.